Hey guys, and welcome back to the Natty Scene podcast. And this is the episode that features myself and Valentin, which will be, now be weekly, um, or at least as weekly as we can get it, can like depending on our schedules, etc. But for the most part, we'll try and get out a weekly podcast where we're going to just wrap up a little bit about our weeks, and we're also going to touch on one to two topics, which are going to th- either come through you contacting us through email, writing out YouTube comments, or like Valentin had, lots of people DMing this week in terms of him announcing the fact that we're going to do a weekly episode. So that's great stuff. We've got a huge backlog of questions, and we can make our way through them and give our opinions. Um, As a caveat for this, guys, please be warned that anything and any opinion that we express is just our fucking opinion, and it's not gospel. You can take it for what it is. And, and you can run with it. And then you can obviously listen to other podcasts and gather your own opinion and your own concepts. Um, but we're here just to, like I said, give our thoughts on, on certain topics. Anyway, so uh, Valentin, sort of give the listeners a little bit of a brief roundup as to, to, to your week. I know that you're still under the coaching of Cliff. Um, and I know that he made a, a few sort of alterations to to your macros this week as well as potentially some increase in, in training volume or, or something like that in, in, in cooperation with the calories. So just give us a little bit of a roundup as to where you are and what's happening in, in the past week. Yeah, that's right. So Cliff usually has me check in on Monday. So every Monday I check in with Cliff. Mm. And he adjusts my macros. So we up the protein and carbs once again. So I am now... I'm now approaching 300 grams of protein per day, which is which is a lot. I mean, I'm way you've, nice. You've been that high in the past, haven't you? Though we've had that, we've had a little bit of a chat about that, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, when I started training, I was very very close to the dark red, dark red camp of, of thoughts. Yeah. And people people there are, are usually usually using high protein intake. So right from the get go, I was using high protein, and I was not really questioning it because it was just normal to me. And later on, when I was reading more of scientific literature and stuff like that, I got more into the two grams per kg can. Sure. I have to say, I actually struggle a bit with kilos. I really like eating protein. Yeah, and yeah. That is a huge, huge part for me. And also, when it comes to satiety, protein just helps with that, mm. especially when you're dieting. And now with Clips approach, I'm having protein really high during your off season and then tapering it down to make more have more more calories for your carbs during during your diet makes a lot of sense to me it makes a lot of sense to me and it really makes the transition from off season to diet really smooth and easy so um, that's what's been going on with my nutrition the last week as far as training goes I've been running into more and more nagging injuries because this is week 10 of this program and it's just something with the territory. Yes, so, yeah. Um, I really look forward to take a few days off from the gym in about two weeks. So I will see to to finish strong with this program, finish this next two weeks strong, and then I will take four days off. Cliff told me to take four full days off. This is basically how Cliff likes to be loaded. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then I will start a new program. So... Um, how many how many days a week are you training at the moment, Valentin? Uh, it's five days a week. Yeah, yeah. You really need those two rest days. So sure. Rest days are really essential. So um, plus they are long sessions. The volume is just so high with close programs. Yeah. So I I need the rest. Uh huh. So, sure. 
Awesome. Cool. Yeah, wicked. I mean, in, in terms of sort of where I'm at as well, I'm, I'm sort of the opposite end of the equation. I've just come off the back of a deload, so I'm quite fresh. I've been hitting like lots of lots of PBs this week already. My bench has, has finally got to the point where I've surpassed my previous best in my last off season, and I'm still about eight to nine, maybe even ten pounds lighter than I was at peak off season last time round. So yeah, super chuffed with that. That should hopefully result in in something more than a flat chest the next time I get on stage. And other than that, you know, from a nutrition standpoint, my I'm a I'm I, I will get your thoughts because we're gonna actually talk about deloads in this episode. But I'm a believer that if you're in a if you're in a quite an aggressive surplus, well, not an aggressive, but if you're in a in a large decent surplus it, during a deload week, I personally come down a maintenance caloric intake. So I had a I had a bit bit of a break off the gas in terms of my calories on the deload, and now I've just raised them quite quite considerably up to the highest they've ever been really because my training volume is as high as it's been in a long long time um so i tend to match and i'm sure that you're the same valentine i tend to match my nutrition coinciding with the amount of volume and work that i'm doing in the gym um especially when it comes to carbohydrate intake i tend to run as as high as possible from a carbohydrate standpoint uh, and then my protein and, and fats stay relatively static percent because if you are like if you're doing working sets per week for example you don't need 500 grams carbs per day it's very unlikely yeah uh, you potentially could even take on carbs in the rest days yeah but then I'm not a huge fan of that but especially with high volume programs but um if you're ramping up the training volume you need to energy come from somewhere and carbs are your best bet there yeah, yeah. sure awesome so yeah, we're both in a pretty cool place. Um, we're obviously both deep into our season. Both both of us as well. If we hopefully we'll keep with this with this podcast for a while, and and people can follow us until, you know, ideally we get we step on stage within a similar year span. So it'll be pretty cool to follow this process um, of us both getting halfway to jacked. Um, <laughs> so. I think I really, I think I really want to emphasize and mention this. How I actually said it in the last episode mm. that this, this is the bread and butter. This is what happens. This is yeah. this, this. You have to enjoy this part of of this of, of the game because um, this is where you get better. And um, if, if you cannot appreciate the time of the year where you're not looking super shredded and we're actually getting strong and we're eating in surplus, uh-huh. then you will just have so much more. Fun cutting down later, so uh, this is a good stuff right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Got to enjoy it whilst we're here. So we got a few questions. Like I said, Valentin got a few um, his end, and we've chosen essentially to talk about deloads and peak week this week. So first things first with deloads. Uh, I mean, you know, from my opinion, where you know, I think we both agree that deloads and periodization within a training protocol is certainly beneficial. Certainly something that we should be looking to do uh, and certainly something that shouldn't be ignored. Now, I think we should start in the position of most people need to have an awareness and understanding of when to deload. And from from my perspective, given my thoughts, I'm of the opinion that deload periods should be all in all auto-regulated in the sense that 
you get the biofeedback um, and just the general feelings of needing a deload, which we'll go into, uh, and then you take the deload. Um, have you, in, in, in any sort of circumstances, gone against that and sort of maybe programmed deloads in terms of saying, right, at, the, at this week, you are deloading no matter how you feel? Um, do you think that's ever appropriate? No, I haven't. I'm in the same I'm in the same boat as you are with auto-regulated deloads. Sure. And I think you can actually, um, you have these two camps. You have the guys that usually do a, a deload every fourth week. Yeah. Like in, in periodized powerful programs, for example. <laughs> and then there are guys that use like auto-regulated deloads for, for like the perfectly programs. And I think there are benefits to both. We just have to ask ourselves what is the goal of the program. Of course. Um, yeah, I mean... We also have to look at training level and several other things. But if you're really, if you're really, if you're really looking at biofeedback, and if you're looking at the appetite, if you're looking at the sleep quality and stuff like that, yeah, 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 really favoring the auto-regulated approach because if it's week four of your, if it's week four of your program, and you're feeling great, and you're lifting, you're lifting big weights, you're progressing and everything, why would you stop doing that? So that's that's just a common sense question I always throw into the room when somebody is approaching me with a, a free pre program dealer, right? Yeah. And I think what I ask myself sometimes and what I think about is like when I when I start to feel a little bit meh and I start to feel like I'm I'm getting some symptoms of overreaching, my personal symptoms are Usually, it's it, it's within the gym for me. It's not so much outside of the gym. It's usually within. And I, I notice it in my warm-up sets. They feel heavier than usual. Just They don't flow as well. And there's going into my work sets, the biggest noticeable factor for me is just a lack of concentric power. I And also, eccentric control. So for me, my concentric will feel, it will move. So like a bench press will move, but I don't feel like I'm powering it. I feel like something else is taking over and I don't feel like I'm consciously pressing the bar. You know, you know when you like, I saw you flat demo pressing the other day with like the 52s and they were like, all of those reps looked fucking assertive and looked like you were, like you were in control of the dumbbell. As soon as I start losing control of a dumbbell or a barbell, and my stability is all off. That's that's me. That's that's me starting to overreach and feeling like I need a deload. Um, I don't know whether you've had those, those symptoms too. Um, I definitely have the same thing going on warm ups, and I think when I get closer to a time period where I think I might have to deload, mm. I'll even take more videos of my training than I usually do. Yeah, that's, sure, that's a good point. It's not on video. And if it feels differently than it looks, then I will keep going because usually it just feels horrible and it just moves quite well in video. So I will keep going and just just try to just try to get get through the session and just yeah. get sets. Uh-huh. But if you feel so detached from the movement and the movement pattern feels so off, you have to be really careful because at a certain training level you're moving loads where you might get injured easily, maybe it's just the warm-up set. I mean, there's tons of examples of guys getting injured during the warm-up set. So yeah. this, this is something where I would be really cautious. If you have that feeling during your session, during the warm-ups, and everything feels off, be very cautious and ask yourself, when was my last deload? So mm-hmm. 
this would be this would be a telltale sign yeah yeah sure and yeah so <clears throat> for me like i was saying i i sometimes rationalize in my head i'm like you know what 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 is what is the worst that could happen here in terms of pushing through another week the reality is you know you might actually get some efficient sessions you might get some work done but you've got to appreciate that the longer you or the the, the bigger hole you dig the the, the bigger the hole you got to come out of so yeah. the more time you've either got to spend backing off and deloading um or the the greater degree of the the week that you spend deloading you'll still feel like shit you know yes. i think a lot of people don't don't appreciate the factor of of they they only appreciate like localized fatigue they don't appreciate the 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 systemic fatigue that we carry through our training sessions so like you do a heavy squat deadlift workout you know whilst your erectors and your legs might be inflamed the next day you're carrying a bunch of systemic fatigue across your entire body that's trying to recover that those body parts it's a highly demanding session um and therefore you know some people will say oh my you know, my, my, but my chest and my shoulders were fine. They were fresh, but I had no power. I had, you know, my, my neurological output was poor. No, no shit. You know, you just had a huge session the day prior. Um, and that's more so, that's out of the realm of delos in my opinion. That's more so how you're looking at periodizing across the week as opposed to looking at backing off. 100%. Another that comes to mind is, of course, yes, the block life the CNS fatigue, but yeah. what about tendons and tendons? You don't really know what their status is because they take a long time to heal. Yeah. So um, if something feels off, it might not be your CNS, it might not be your it might not be your muscles, it just might be a ligament or tendon. And if that snaps, that's a huge problem, man. And you are out of the game for a long time. Yeah. So um, being careful is is all good and pushing an extra week won't won't be that huge of a problem if you do it once or twice. But I would be very careful going into the overreach state over and over and over again. Yeah. So well, yeah. I mean a lot of people will never never reach your overreach state, right? But yeah. um, if you train hard you will get there and trust me you will feel it because being overreached is not fun. A lot of people brag about being in the overreaching phase with the training program and I, I, I don't know if I would brag about it because it's just, I just want to get it over with, right? Um, being overreached is, feels, feels horrible, man. I mean, your sleep is bad, you may be still pushing big numbers, you're still progressing, but my appetite is down, I, I can't sleep well, I just yeah. feel sleep throughout the day. So um, being overreached is not that much fun, and if you're actually doing it right, it's just, it's just hell. So, um, yeah, the thing, the thing, the thing is, people people have to put it in perspective and really have to look how long can I train effectively and efficiently and progress my lifts within a single mes single mesa cycle. Yeah. For some people that's four weeks, for some people that's twelve weeks. I usually run against yeah. the wall after six weeks of our training. I've just found out about that time span over the over the over the over the time period of my training career. Yes. And some people might be able to push hard for eight weeks. So you really have to, I mean, once again, the logbook is going to be key here because it tells you everything. It tells you when you're starting, when your progress starts to stall, and then you can make adjustments. Yeah. So it's usually six weeks. I don't know what it is for you, how many weeks you can push. I've gone, 
I've gone pretty long without deloads. I've gone up to I've gone up to like ten or eleven weeks, and been pretty fine. But I have to take into account that at the same time I'm still because my my shows went on. <clears throat> my last show was November. I was still regaining a lot of that initial strength through potentially what I deem as lower intensity work before I really got to the loads that were starting to, again, tax me from a CNS perspective. Uh, So I I found, especially when I was dieting, because volume was almost maintained, progressive overload was minimal, I could go for quite some time without needing to deload, purely because I was at that level of almost maintaining lifts, um, especially from like a joint, tendon, and ligament standpoint, because obviously we know that you know, joints, tendons, ligaments aren't as adaptive as muscle tissue. So when you place a demand on the muscle tissue, you know, it can catch up, it can start playing ball. That's why we see people get, you know, those those minor injury or, well, perhaps major injuries through the tendons, joints and ligaments. Um, but yeah, I, I think now in the stage that I'm at, you know, reaching peak levels of strength on some things, I'll probably have to deload and back off more frequently. And I'll probably just have to accept that. But my willing, I must admit, psychologically, my willingness to accept having to back off is is sometimes quite difficult. Unless I feel like complete shit, like you discussed. Yeah, and I hear you. I'm, I'm just the same. I'm, yeah. I'm just a stubborn, but um, I think that comes just with people that really want to try to maximize their potential. It's sure. It's But yeah. now, probably going into a bit more what. A deload should look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a deload by itself is a misnomer because a lot of people should not deload. They should just demolimize. They should just cut volume. Yeah. And I mean, it really depends on the strength level and the training level. But some people will can actually move the same loads and just cut reps in half. And for example, just cut down the volume by fifty percent. Sure. And volume will drop fatigue rapidly. So within a week, you should be you should feel much better, much different. But for somebody that is more experienced, I would definitely also look at what nose you're moving and reduce that again, that as well. Um, I usually do it with clients in, in the territory of 15 to 25% of the usual loads and yeah. also reduce volume by about 50%. Um, it really depends on the program itself. Maybe there's an additional rest day in there. Maybe there's, there's cardio in there just to get over stress levels down. But I think the most important thing is that you get volume, volume down and get rid of some of the volume. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think with the loading aspect, it's important to tell clients, take the fucking load down because they'll want to keep load on the bar. And if you, I've, in in my experience, I've had clients that in previous times, I would say hit this RPE or hit this RAR. They they don't do that. You know, I see their, 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 their training logs and I'm like, you know, if 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 that wasn't if that was that, then why did why why was last week a ten, but you used the same load and only dropped one you know one rep, and I told you to hit RPE seven, kind of thing. You're like, oh well, it felt good this week. It felt felt easy. You know, no, that's probably not the case. You're just unwilling to drop load. So I think forcibly saying you have to drop load is an important thing. Um, one of the things I would say is like, because I talked about one of the negative side effects is that you sometimes don't want to back off, you don't want to deload, you don't want to sort of 
say that I'm going to spend a week essentially not moving forwards, but you are kind of moving forwards by moving backwards. So that's one of the positives. The other positive is, is I find that clients sometimes will be deloading with weights and repetitions that perhaps in a previous block, two months, three months ago, was close to their maximal work. And that's extremely rewarding to have something that was once, two, three, four months ago, maximal, now be piss easy, deload, you know? Um, Not in terms of volume, but in terms of poundages and repetitions, um, in terms of like across like two two to two sets rather than three kind of thing. You know, that that's something quite rewarding that I find is beneficial for clients. Um, not not so much for myself. I think the more you advance, the less you're gonna see that. Um, yeah. but with newer clients you can certainly see see them deloading on, on previous numbers that would that were decent for them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean I've tried to solve problem of clients not adhering to RP or reps and reserve. Uh, description, yeah. but uh, it's really tough because you have to get very, very creative, and all of a sudden you you're trying to do stuff that might not serve the deload uh, to what it what it should. Like yeah. I thought about giving people uh, certain exercises just for just for a deload, like completely new exercises. Which yeah, is I've a- thought thought about that as well. But we've so- got to argue. I think, you know, the argument there, and I did that with my last deload, I, I did some safety bar squats like I showed you. I think the argument there is like the novel stimulus may promote some novel soreness. You know what I mean? Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's a problem. But mm. then again, I thought about limiting it to isolation exercises and just give, Good people, idea. Just give people a certain like rep scheme, like do a muscle round, for example, something like that, where they can actually have fun it's something new um it's it's they feel like it's a completely new week and it doesn't feel like a deload it doesn't yeah. look feel like a step back yeah and can just have fun but then again at the certain strength level i'm just worried about that person doing something totally stupid <laughs> mm-hmm. and maybe that not being appropriate for a deload so um i guess it's just if you're if you're going the traditional routes and giving people like less load and, and cut down the volume, you just really have to communicate to them what this week is about and just keep repeating and keep repeating and so on and so forth. But maybe a more um, exotic approach might work. I will test it with some clients, but yeah, it's, 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 it's not set at stone, so I have, to, I have to see. Yeah, sure. And, and finally, sort of to wrap the deload topic up, how have you found... I've got one more thing to talk about actually as well. But how have you found taking time off in terms of taking complete rest from the gym for a deload? How have you found that both psychologically and, and physically also? The time span really depends. I mean, if you're taking seven days off, something like that, yeah, um, much harder to get back because of course you're dropping a lot of fatigue, but you're also you're also dropping your fitness levels, right? Skill acquisition, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to lose any muscle if you're still eating the protein and you're being in surplus, but it's, everything feels very off when you come back. Um, if, you, if you take like three or four days off completely, I think that's the sweet spot, clip like three or four days, and I, I would agree with that, because when you come back, you're just, you're just completely fresh, man. And within three or four days, nothing really happens. I mean, some people have uh, two days off in the regular program, and I mean, nothing happens. 
if you just add one day or another, another day, you have four days off, and you just come back super fresh, man. Your mind is cool, you're just ready to attack again. Yeah. But with seven days, I find like seven days a week off from the gym is problematic for most. It really, it's really, it's, I mean, especially for somebody who's a beginner intermediate, if you're more advanced, if, and if you think about some powerlifters who are really strong, they can, they, the stronger you are, the longer you can take time off without having any problem. I mean, just look at people who are like pulling crazy weights. They they take the heaviest deadlifts two or three weeks out from the competition. Yeah. So that tells you how long they can take off before any of their fitness levels starts to diminish. So I think three or four days is a sweet spot, and with seven days, I, I think really don't start with that, yeah. Okay, cool. And a lot of people tend to ask as well, coming off the back of a deload, what, how do we re-enter training? And I think a lot of people have, have got differing opinions on this. I think the crowd that we're talking about when they go through the periods of, of potentially programmed deloads and also programmed overreaching phases will, of course, start back, reverting back to a slight increase on week one of the previous mesocycles numbers. However, I think we'd probably agree in our concepts in that I don't like to sort of look at look at it from that so I almost think you've dissipated fatigue you're now relatively fresh let's try and just make progress on what we were currently doing beforehand with the mindset of the fact that yes you're you're going to be very you're resensitized a little bit to volume so you've got to weigh that up you also, like you said, if you've taken time off, then you're going to have a little bit of movement patterning again to learn, especially with handling heavy, lo- heavy loads, etc. So I, I just like to take the instance of I, I prep for movements a little bit more. So I'll, I'll warm up like a little bit, like with more, more load coming up to the the top set, uh, more practice of the movement, and then if I feel like it's there. Like, it's game on. I don't waste any time. I'll go for it. And I won't bury myself in a hole because that's just done what I didn't what I didn't need to do. But I will, like, yeah, like the other day, like, my deadlift number that I was meant to go up to felt extremely easy. Far too easy. If anything, it could have been, it could have looked like a deload set kind of thing. So I was like, no. I could have easily wasted three weeks of, progressing from that which was easy to something that was relatively easy to something that was moderate something that was hard and then deload again whereas i now up to something that was yeah fairly fucking hard next week it's going to be fairly hard again and then hard 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 you know you know what i mean so sure. Sure. how how do you enter sort of your week after after four days off you know a deload week etc I think jumping back to the loads of your last mesocycle, like meso, mesocycle one, and now you're doing mesocycle two, jump back to week one of that mesocycle is a bit too over over careful. Uh, I think if you just kill. yeah, if you if you just reducing loads slightly from the loads you used before you deload, like five to ten percent for your first mesocycle back, uh, for your first microcycle back, like an intro week, so to speak, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just get back in tune with your movements and all that, that kind of stuff. And you just need a slight load drop to, to accomplish that. Okay. And then you can attack, attack again. But then again, with some movements, if you've been doing this for quite a while, they just they will feel as good as always. So you can just attack right away. 
I would just be careful with certain movements. Um, but the bigger the movement, the more careful I would be. Basically, you don't have to be careful with like incline curls or something like that. But if you're if you're like doing deadlifts or some some something like that, probably build up back to your high highest low and and see how it feels on that particular day. Yeah, yeah. Then you go down by like I said five to ten percent for your first intro week, and then attack again and progress a little. Yeah, sure, agreed. I I I yeah, I totally agree on that concept. So. I think that's deload wrapped up really, really well. Again, likewise, guys, if you have any sort of back questions off the back of that deload topic, please ask in the comment sections or, or, or DM us on that. So moving on a little bit into into sort of peak week, I think will be quite interesting because Valentin certainly peaked in a slightly different way than I peaked for, for my shows. So starting off with yourself... Uh, mate, how how did you run the majority of your peak weeks last year? And uh, what have you learned out of that? And and how do you think you potentially will move forward with both yourself and, and clients in the future when it comes to peak week? Yeah, so the last, I said the last three shows I did with Cliff. Three shows I did with Cliff. The first one was in April, and the next, second one was in May, and the third one was in August. So the first one in April, which was in Chicago, we did a rapid backload. So everybody knows Cliff was rapid backloading, magic rapid backload. Hmm. And basically, a rapid backload is a lot more work than it, it sounds like it is, because you are, basically, it's a, it's a very aggressive backload, right? So you're starting your depletion phase on Monday until Thursday, that means you consume very good carbs, you have basically very high protein, actually the same as in your previous weeks of the diet, and you bring up your fats to like one gram per kilogram, right? And that, is, that should serve one purpose to just increase insulin sensitivity, to just get ready for that last day before you load before the show. So the last day before you go on stage Friday is where you I consumed about 12 meals, so it's a lot of eating, and you consume a lot of carbohydrates. And with all that, you consume your, your sodium, you consume your water, and um, basically there's not a lot of time for course correction, because if you don't know what you're doing with the rapid backload, it's not just something you read somewhere and then do it. Yeah, I, I know so many people that have tried to do that. <laughs> He's like, people keep copying it and just... They fuck it up so badly. Just take a random part number and load a bikini girl with 1,500 grams of parts. <laughs> so, good luck with that. And on the last day, you're, you're carving up pretty aggressively. And, I mean, Cliff has an entire presentation just on the rep backward, which is like one hour long. Wow. But um, that's just, that's just um, the basics of it. Okay. And so, if <clears throat> you take... Um, I've also used a more classic backlog with Cliff for my last show, where okay. we basically started to increase carbs starting with Wednesday and depleted just three or four days prior to that, and then brought carbs up until the show. So those are the two approaches we've used. We've used two carb backloads for rapid backloads for the first two shows, and then a more moderate, more classic backload approach for the last show. Do you think the gains that you make in the super compensation effect outweigh the pain of going through a very low carb final week and the issue of eating 12 meals in a day before the show? That is an excellent question, man, because the depletion phase was killing me. Yeah. Thursday was, was horrible. I bet. 
Because you're so lean already. Yeah, I mean, I was on about 50 grams of carbs for those days on every day. And it was just greens and it was just chicken and steak and... And yeah, I remember seeing Colin, Colin Wolf's full day of eating on, on, on a peak week. I was like, fuck that. Colin <laughs> actually handled it really well. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, and it could have told people really react differently to it, but I was dying on Tuesday. It was, I was just so drained and so tired. And within like three or four meals of the backlog, I felt so good. I felt amazing. So, um, but then again, you just have to, it's just stressful by itself, the backload itself. Yeah. It's like every hour, basically, right? And you have to prepare everything. And if you're traveling, you have to seek to the next supermarket and get all my stuff. And so it's, boom, you're just, you had it exploding basically on the last day of the load. So um, it's a very good question if that is, is benefit, if it's benefit enough to, um, to get rid of all, all the other all the other stuff because it's a lot of, for me it was it was it was a lot of work and like I said the, the period from Monday to two, to Thursday was really stressful and so I really like the more the more moderate backload the more classic backload approach starting with a shorter depletion phase and then just loading into the show and I think a lot of people would would feel the same way. Yeah, and I do the same way with clients. I backload pretty much everybody, and yeah. don't use such an aggressive depletion phase because if you're lean, you're lean, and it really doesn't need the fact of super compensation is definitely there with what Cliff is doing, but with a regular backload, um, it's not, and it's not necessary. Yeah. So, um, how do you go? How do you go about it? I was lucky enough to be in several different situations throughout my prep. So I now know how I'd want to do it from a pure optimality standpoint. Whether whether or not I'll get there by my first show next time, I don't know. Whether that will even be optimal to get there by my first show, I don't know. But what I do know is that I, for my first show, I was pretty low throughout the week, but not any form of not any form of uh, thought through depletion, so not a, not a depletion that was on purpose kind of thing, it was just the fact that my food was low anyway, so I was fairly depleted. Uh, I didn't change fats or anything like that in, in the process, but my load day was of gathered data from refeed days, because I was doing single day refeeds throughout my entire prep at the start end of it. Towards the end I wasn't, which I'll explain in a bit, but I had data, I knew what would essentially fill me out, I knew what would not spill me over from a conditioning standpoint, uh, I had a rough idea as to what number I could take in, so I think I, I, I took in a what I, did, did, I sort of thought would be enough, um, I took in 700 grams of carbs on the low day for my first show, and I woke up after a whole week of running really, really low, doing lots of cardio to try and rush into this first show because I was still a little bit off and I knew one of the competitors as well. I knew he was peeled, so I was like, fuck, you know, and it started to make me worry and obviously coaching myself, I rushed a bit. And I look back in hindsight and say this is stupid, but it was what it was. And obviously I took in the 700 grams, woke up the next morning and I weighed in like a pound and a half lighter than I had the whole week because you get this, I was, I was just... I don't know whether you were when you were loading on the rapid backload, but I was hot all day. 
Um, I was yeah. Uh, yeah, I was moving about so much. I was burning. I was burning through calories. I didn't even realize I was moving, but I was moving. I was fidgeting. I was yeah. like, like I said, I was hot. Um, and the thermic effect of feeding obviously played its role, and the reduction in stress from the week of dieting, etc. So, woke up to a new low, and on that day itself, I, I was, I was like a, a horrible mixture of not quite peeled enough and moderately flat. So I looked even worse than, even less conditioned than I was, uh, because I wasn't full and I wasn't even in the condition that I should have been for that show. So therefore, you know, I, I just didn't bring the good good enough physique. So I I still won, luckily, <laughs> just about. Um, but that was probably the closest show that I had because I wasn't on the money. Um, the stress of obviously that load day as well, which is why I asked you, the stress of that load day and also in my head, not knowing 100% what I was gonna wake up looking like, fucked with me. That royally screwed me. So my now, my preference now is of the idea of getting yourself into a position where you can start a metabolic building phase before your first show. That would be like absolutely ideal. It depends how long your show season is though. Mine started in August, ended in November. If I was starting what I deem as like a metabolic building phase, which is essentially like a reverse diet, but a very fucking strict one. Um, if I was to do that, my first show in August, I don't know where my physique would have been by November, but I think it would have been even more ruined if I was that lean and already being able to work up my calories. I think I'd have just died a, a, a slow death by November. I was on my last legs in November anyway, and I wasn't 100% lean in August, so... I can deem that it probably wouldn't have been a good idea to do that. So Dr. Joe actually made a really good video with Eric Helms really recently on the idea of this metabolic building phase. And essentially what it is, is like I said, it's a, it's a reverse diet where you start building up your caloric intake. And, you know, Joe's had clients where even female athletes, he's added an additional 1,000 to 1,200 caloric, sorry, calories into their intake. And they've stayed at the same level of body composition and if not gotten leaner because of how much fullness they've gained. They gain obviously a large, basically the, the, short and, the short and sweet of it is all you're doing is you're taking your calories from a deficit level and you're slowly gradually meeting maintenance. That's all you're fucking doing. It's not, it's not a secret. And people start looking at it like, that's like the way people looked at reverse dieting. People are like, you're staying so lean for so long. It's like, it's because you're just taking so much longer to get to maintenance and then past maintenance whilst keeping cardio and expenditure in. And there's obviously some element of, of adaptations that take place with the metabolism, but it's, it's, it's nothing when you look at the grand scheme of things. Um, so that's, that's to me the way that I like to do it if I had the opportunity so I'd, I'd slowly work up calories, ideally, you know, within a two-week period before the show. Um, it would be a preference of carbohydrates, so fats would stay minimal, carbohydrates would be raised, protein would stay static. There is some argument to suggest that you could, at this point, if the client was really suffering from a satiety perspective, you could raise protein um, with the thermic effect of food and the, the partitioning effects of protein, you could argue that protein would be a nice macronutrient to raise because especially if you're staying around maintenance calories and you raise protein, probably, you know, 
f all is going to happen really um so yeah that's 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 the way that i'd look at things now and what that gave me is that by the time i got to worlds i was on almost 3100 calories for at least four weeks before worlds yes my expenditure was high granted but i was able to train really well mate like really well my training was good um and also off the back of it which someone asked as well they were like how do you approach post-show which we won't really cover too much but off the back of it because my food was high my psychology was so much better i didn't have any sort of idea in my head of binging or overeating massively and if anything i just wanted to continue this phase of raising my calories i thought it was magical it wasn't but I thought, wow, what have I achieved here? And I'm like, AJ, you're still doing 25,000 steps a day, you fucking idiot. You know, <laughs> like you're not, you're, you're still doing a lot of expenditure, mate. So yeah, I'd, I'd get myself in a position where I could just slowly incrementally put up carbohydrates, yeah. fill out, get this, get to this point where you're holding condition. Um, basically, you want to, you want to, you, you want to look at pictures just. You want to obsess over fucking pictures at this stage because the scale weight will screw you initially in a building phase because you'll see it come up slightly with glycogen levels increasing. Um, you know, I was I was heavier at Worlds than I was at any other show, any other show, but I was the leanest I was, and if anything, I was I was also I'd also probably lost a little bit of tissue as well. Which very weird process, but. It's, it's why the scale is just like one tool, especially within peak week, you know. I think people freak out over that shit when they see it go up and... Oh yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. I mean, scale is beautiful, man. I mean, this, this is why a coach is so valuable, because he, he just looks yeah. at the tells you what to do next, because if you do this, I mean, that's up to you, man, to do it for coaching yourself. I'm not quite sure if I could coach myself, to be honest, and I really need a... a Set of different eyes to, to take a look at me and, and tell me what to do. Because sure. in the last week, I mean, you're just, you're just crazy <laughs> at this point. Yeah. And looking at yourself and trying to be objective with your own pictures is really tough. It's really tough. I know some people that are just uh, just by nature really good at it. And they just look at their own pictures and they're, okay, this, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. But I can't do it. So um, it's, really, it's really different from person to person, I guess. Yeah. You know, I think. If I was to do a peak week like yourself and try to do a rapid backload, I'd freak. You know, I freaked when I did refeeds. I worried about refeeds. And I think what gave me that sort of mental fortitude towards the end is that, mate, I looked the same for so long that I knew that if I hit these macros and I did this amount of steps looking at my Fitbit and I did this amount of steps, I trained for this long and I didn't do anything else, and I slept for this amount of hours, I knew what I'd wake up and look like. I knew it so much that if you look at my data sheet from the last four weeks up to the Worlds, my weight fluctuated by 0.3 or 0.4 of a pound, no more, no less. I was the same weight for so long. In fact, the whole week up until the final, I stepped on the scale, I'm pretty sure it's the exact same number every single morning. I thought my scale was broken, you know? But it was because I, I just knew exactly what I could take in, exactly how I'd look, 
um, and how I'd feel. I think if anything, I look back now, mate, and I think if I'd had a coach, I think a coach would have told told me to back off my expenditure more and eat a little more. Um, because I think if you were coaching yourself, mate, I think you'd be the same as me. You'd want to keep doing more and you'd want to eat what was making you look good. You wouldn't want to push it and see whether you could get a little bit fuller. You'd want to be really, really fucking shredded. Um, it's, it's a hard one to play if you're coaching yourself. I would overdo it 100%. I, I can tell without even experiencing it. I would overdo it just like a training I do myself. So um, I, just need, I just need somebody to watch over me. And what you mentioned about stress in the last week, I mean, this is, I think, something good to close out the peak week topic with. Sure. Is, um, the way you think about the whole process and the way you think about that last week, the way you think about the competition is crucial. Because even if you have the perfect peak week plan, if your training is on point, if, you, if you're doing everything your coach says and everything your plan says, if you're stressing out over everything, you're going to look like shit, man. There's some people that have had the perfect plan, the best coach, the prep was amazing, and they started to freak out on Monday, peak week, and it showed on Saturday and or Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's a, huge, that's a huge problem. You have to... You have to stay cool, relax, take a deep breath in, take a deep breath out, and just enjoy the process, right? You you had enough time to get lean. Now it's just time to reveal the leanness and to get that last percent out of it. But um, you're not doing anything major in peak work. It's just cruising into the show, man. That's it. Stay stay, stay cool. That's, that's huge. Yeah. I think, you know, I totally agree with that, mate. I think... The best way to look at it is that you've done the work. If you're lean enough, you're ready. There's not a huge amount that can change in a week. Um, and if anything, you know, the worry and the stress, like you said, will change your physique in a, in a more negative way than anything else. So staying on top of your sleep and just doing what you usually do in a normal week. Try and keep your week as normal as possible. You know, like a lot of people will say, oh, I've booked off, you know, my entire week off work for my peak week. I couldn't think of anything worse than doing that because I wanted to just stay busy. I wanted to stay focused. Yes, there were some things that I started saying no to because I had to sleep a little bit earlier or I had to prep this, prep that or travel. But for the most part, I, I tried to keep everything the exact same. And if anything, I tried to stay on the days that I was free. I tried to stay a little bit busier because it would just it would just keep my mind ticking over. The, the minute you stop, the minute you start resting is the minute you start thinking about oh should i do this should i do that you know or should i tell my coach this like it's just mind fuckery at that point yeah Yeah. sure awesome so i think we've covered those topics very well mate um is there anything you'd like to particularly add to either of those or do you think that we've covered everything how you'd like to to have covered it i think we've covered it pretty good so see what questions we get the next week and go from there. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, guys, um, I'd like to say also a thank you to the people that did listen into the last episode. As of recording this one, it's already gone over a thousand views. So it was um, it was certainly a very popular episode, and I hope that these continue to to be popular with you guys. Obviously, we've got two contingents coming together, so. I've got a few new followers on Instagram and I'm sure Valentin's got a few as well. So um, we're bringing, bringing two people together and I think this is awesome. So like Valentin said, uh, any questions that you guys have, 
um, shoot us a DM or comment in the YouTube section and, and we'll, we'll take the most popular topics or, or what we think that we'd like to talk about and uh, include them in the next episode. But for now, guys, we'll, we'll leave it at that and we'll, we'll chat in the next episode. See you later.